Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Well, the House Intelligence Committee is going to conclude its investigation of Russian collusion, and they are going to conclude that there wasn't any. Of course, the Democrats will disagree uh, because that's what they do. Now, that said. That will be the official conclusion on the House side as they continue, I guess, to pursue other investigations. But what I want to talk about today, among other things, among several things, the media. Now, I understand that most talk show hosts, radio and TV, spend all day talking about the lousy liberal media. I don't do that. But we have a situation in this country now where the media are propagandists, they're not reporters. And then when you call them on it, or the president calls them on it, uh, it's said to be an attack on free speech, freedom of the press and the First Amendment. And if you call out specific reporters who are particular abominations, then you're threatening their lives. Now this is what we've heard now since the president was at his rally in southwestern Pennsylvania, doing what the president does. And the media do not like what the president does. They don't like how he speaks. They don't like what he says. They don't like him tweeting. They don't like him. They don't want him to be president. It's okay for the media to go on and on about the mental derangement and illness of the president. Of course, they're not degrading the presidency, are they? They're not undermining our governmental system, are they? By bringing in a professor from Yale who's never met the President of the United States, where she's gone on and on and on, including briefing Democrats and talking to media figures about the President's mental state. And so they go on about the 25th Amendment that they don't even understand. They have no problem giving voice to Maxine Waters' And other low IQ kooks of all races, backgrounds, sizes, and genitalia. Going on and on about impeachment. Impeaching a president for what? He hadn't done anything. Nothing that warrants impeachment. But the media have given that voice. You look at the media. Look at CNN. I've talked many times about how CNN has monopoly control of the airports. And now some of the backbenchers have picked up on that. They're very good at that. Well, CNN got monopoly control of the airports when it was at least attempting to be an honest news operation. Never succeeded, but at least it tried. Now it's a propaganda mill. And they hire the most discredited, partisan hacks one can think of. Their top national security guy worked for Obama. One of their big morning hosts is a Cuomo. And I could go on and on down the list. I can go on and on down the list. Look at MSNBC, Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough, when the president gave his first national speech in a joint session of Congress, not this past January, but the January before, 
He was jumping up and down like a clapping seal applauding the President of the United States. In fact, he, he had a private meeting with the President. It was all reported prior to that speech. And indeed, during the primary season, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, two frauds, two complete frauds in their personal lives and in their public lives. They were close to Trump. They brought Trump on. They enjoyed Trump. They would laugh. Now they're in full hate mode. They have nothing but vile, dripping contempt for the president. And they bring on as many guests as they possibly can to reinforce that. So MSNBC is a day-in, day-out get-Trump operation. CNN is a day-in, day-out get-Trump operation. When this guy Michael Wolff wrote his ridiculous book, all over newscasts, all over opinion shows, everywhere, he's disappeared because many people consider him a complete joke now, but he's gone. And they bounce from issue to issue, the dossier. The Russian prostitutes and all the rest, and I won't get involved in that. You know what I'm talking about. Once BuzzFeed, once BuzzFeed went out there, CNN followed, even though it denied it, but it did, and did as did other media operations. The media seem completely disinterested in the unprecedented historic violations of our privacy, unprecedented historic violations of the limitations placed on the FBI and our intelligence agencies in terms of domestic surveillance, domestic political surveillance, no curiosity whatsoever. In fact, the opposite. Again, if you dare to raise the question, they say you must hate the FBI. And throughout it all is laced the most Hateful, poisonous, vile, race-baiting. Over and over and over again. White males this and white males that. And if you raise a question, you must be a racist. You can't even talk about various issues. You must be a racist. The media in this country claim that the First Amendment and freedom of the press is under attack. It is under attack. It's under brutal assault by the very people who earn their livings, supposedly as journalists and reporters. They're destroying freedom of the press. Trump's not doing it. The government's not doing it. They're doing it. And they have decided. They have decided that the only way they can survive in what is increasing competition for network news and cable channels is to take sides. MSNBC and CNN represent the Democrat Party, and they know they do. You can tell by their hires, you can tell by their broadcasts, you can tell by their guests. There is no possible way a Chris Cuomo could be a news reporter or a journalist on a serious news station or outlet. No possible way. 
There is no possible way Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, who are trying to settle personal scores with the President of the United States, would have a morning program on a serious news outlet. No possible way. Well, you might say, what about Fox? Well, there's something very interesting. I'm not a special pleader for Fox. I have a one-hour show on Sundays. I don't pretend to be a journalist or a reporter. Sean Hannity doesn't pretend to be a journalist or a reporter. Tucker Carlson doesn't pretend to be a journalist or a reporter. Laura Ingram doesn't pretend to be a journalist or a reporter. They have a, a clear demarcation, a wall between one or the other. But not CNN. What's Jake Tapper? What's Wolf Blitzer? What's Don Lemon? What's Chris Cuomo? I don't know. Are they journalists? Are they opinion makers? What are they? What are they? And so the President of the United States is under attack again. Again. This time, you see, because he called out Chuck Todd over at Meet the Press. Now, here's the dirty little secret. These reporters love being called out. They are feigning this dramatic concern about their business and so forth and so on. They love being called out because Trump makes them famous or infamous. And when they go back to Georgetown or they go back to Manhattan, or wherever they're operating out of, one of the two, they smile, they drink to each other, and they laugh about it. And we know these aren't serious people, because when it truly comes to domestic political surveillance, the media have supported the police state. When Barack Obama and Eric Holder we're eavesdropping on reporters for the Associated Press. Those were police state tactics, and the media barely blinked. When Barack Obama and Eric Holder surveilled James Rosen at the Fox News Channel, and also his parents, apparently, the media didn't even blink. Because they love Obama. Just as they love Bernie Sanders just as they love Elizabeth Warren, just as they love Richard Blumenthal, just as they love all the radical Democrats, and the kookier left, the more they love them. They're coming to the defense of Maxine Waters. Everybody knows she's a nut job. She's a nut job. And so when Trump calls her out by name after month after month after month of her attacking him and demanding his impeachment and calling him racist and everything and calls her low IQ, which he may have taken from me, but no offense. Suddenly he's a racist. No, she is low IQ. Absolutely. Down in the toilet. Very much like Joe Scarborough. Low IQ. Absolutely down in the toilet. Or Mika Brzezinski. Dumb as a doorknob. What does stupidity have to do with skin pigmentation? Nothing. But they want to shut off the debate. And here's what they really hate about Trump. Here's what they really hate about him. He fights back. He uses Twitter. They demand that he stop using Twitter. But he uses Twitter. 
Because that way he can speak to you without going through the media. And he goes to these rallies. You don't have to agree with everything he says. But if he says something odd or mean or whatever, since when is that the end of the world? It's not the end of the world. And big deal. But they stood by Ted Kennedy during Chappaquiddick. They stood by Ted Kennedy during that Palm Beach affair. They knew he was a lush. They knew he was a womanizer. They knew all about him. But they protected him. They stood by Bill Clinton when Juanita Broderick came uh, came out. They stood by him when Kathleen Willey came out, when Paula Jones came out, one after another after another. Sexual abuse, sexual battery, rape. Oh, that's personal, don't you know? Meanwhile, Stormy, what's her name? Every day. Every day, the porn star, every day. And if it wasn't her, it's Michael Wolf, the author. And if it's not him, it's the professor. The psychologist from Yale talking about the president being deranged. And if it's not that, it's something else. The Russians. The Russians. No media. The people who are destroying the First Amendment and freedom of the press are you. You've abused it. You've gotten rich off it. You're advancing an agenda. And we all know it. And we all know it. And you're doing it purposely. You've decided to go after the Democrat base. That's what you've decided to do. MSNBC and CNN. As the only way you can sustain any kind of ratings. And that's what's going on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If the media had their way, look at the shooting in Florida, the horrific mass murder in Florida. What have the media, almost to an outlet to a platform, been doing since the mass shooting, the mass murder? Pushing gun control. Pushing gun control. They talk about destroying freedom of the press. What is the purpose of freedom of the press? To give liberals platforms to dress up as journalists? And spew their bias? That's not the purpose of freedom of the press. Do these outlets protect the Bill of Rights? I mean, other than their own right to freedom of the press. Tell me, when there's a battle over religious liberty, what side do they take? Or freedom of association, that's also in the First Amendment. What side do they take? Or free speech for all the rest of us when it comes to political campaigns, which includes donations, what side do they take? When it comes to the Second Amendment... Do they stand with the Bill of Rights? No. They stand with the government. How about domestic surveillance and the various violations of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments? Where do they stand on that? They defend the perpetrators. They don't even want to get to the bottom of it. How about the Ninth Amendment, which in my view is the manifestation of the Declaration of Rights? They don't even know what it says, let alone talk about it. The Tenth Amendment, federalism. The only time they talk about federalism is when it's turned on its head by sanctuary cities, by California. Then they trash the Attorney General of the United States, who's trying to bring law and order in the Constitution 
back into the mix when it comes to California. So apparently, the only part of the Constitution that's sacrosanct is the part that they abuse. Freedom of the press. Freedom of the press. You can't tell a Jimmy Kimmel rant from a Joe Scarborough rant. You can't tell a Joe Scarborough rant from a Chris Cuomo rant. You can't tell a Chris Cuomo rant from an Al Sharpton rant. You can't tell an Al Sharpton rant from a Wolf Blitzer rant. And it goes on and on and on. These are ideologues. That's who they are and that's what they do. Groupthink. I've talked about groupthink many, many times. I've written about groupthink. CNN is about groupthink. MSNBC is about groupthink. And the conservative guests they might bring on, they shout down, they abuse, they fire them if they're effective, like our buddy Jeff Lord and others. That's what's going on. Freedom of the press. Freedom of the press, I'll tell you where it is. You're not going to like it. It's on the Internet, which is why they want to control the Internet. Not the cable shows, not the network shows, not the satellite shows, but the competition from outside. I'll be right back. This is the conservative movement's stimulus package. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, now that I've... uh, spoken about the media as they deserve to be spoken of. Let me address another aspect of what's going on in our society and culture. And that is the abandonment of conservatism. You need not abandon conservatism in order to defend this president. You need not abandon conservatism in order to defend this president. When I say defend this president, I mean defend him from the onslaught by the media and the Democrats that are trying to undo the last election, that are pressing for their silent coup. And you can support the president in many areas. The magnificent judges that he's nominated, including on the Supreme Court. Numerous other areas, his attacks on regulations and so forth. And you can disagree strongly with the president on his change of position on immigration, where he essentially wants to give now millions of illegal aliens amnesty, taking a page out of Jeb Bush's book, or tariffs, which has been a a dream of the hard left and certain unions, which has been resisted until now, because they're destructive of the American economy, they're destructive of millions and millions of jobs, Downstream, including blue-collar union jobs. I'll get into that later or later this week. But there's no reason to abandon liberty and capitalism in the Constitution. You're not disloyal to Donald Trump if you're loyal and faithful to your own principles that you have espoused for decades. I'm talking about everybody here. You don't have to make that choice. It's not a choice between conservatism or the legitimacy of the uh, Trump presidency. Conservatism is the only philosophy 
that embraces humanity. It's the only one. Progressivism is an ideology where human beings are to be manipulated, where free will is to cease, where conformity is the name of the game, where social engineering is the project, and government is the tool. It is completely, completely converse to the whole notion of constitutionalism. And it would seem to me that conservatives who have a TV camera in their face or a microphone in their mouth or a pen at their hand or a keyboard at their hand should be ex uh, uh, advancing the case of human liberty, personal, individual human liberty, rather than acceding to the politics of the moment. I don't care which party. I don't care which party. Instead, we get the most damnable, bizarre, pathetic defenses of tariffs. The most damnable, bizarre defense of amnesty. And gun control. If those of us with microphones and cameras and pens and keyboards are not going to defend our founding principles, then nobody is. How can you attack the media as being too liberal when you surrender your own principles? Once again, you don't need to choose between Donald Trump and conservatism. You stick by your principles. You support policies that advance the cause of liberty and limited government and private property rights. And you object to those policies that do the opposite. But it doesn't mean you're throwing in with Maxine Waters. It doesn't mean you're throwing in with Chuck Schumer or any of the other malcontents and miscreants. When you disagree with the president on certain policies. Quite the contrary. You're trying to assist the president, help the president. Build momentum for liberty. That's what was needed during the Nixon administration. That's what was needed during the Ford administration. That's what was needed during the George H.W. Bush administration. That's what was needed during the George W. Bush administration. Truth be told. As a footnote, most of these never-Trumpers, they come out of the Bush administration, either Bush 43 or 41. Most of these never-Trumpers are perfectly happy with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. They claim to attack Donald Trump from the right. But they're not attacking Donald Trump from the right, maybe here and there. But that's not why they're attacking Donald Trump. They're attacking Donald Trump because they themselves are more vain than Donald Trump. They took public positions. Public positions against Trump. And they won't modify them. They won't even reverse course. As they think through what, they're, what they've said and what they're saying now, they're dug in. They're dug in. There's no reason to abandon conservatism. 
what is conservatism? We've talked about it year after year after year. Conservatism is nothing more than the truthful representation of humanity and individualism. It's an understanding of humanity. It's an understanding of human nature. It's an understanding of what works and what doesn't work. It's not an ideology created by a professor. It's not an ideology created by a slick politician. It's not an ideology created by one author or another. It's based on human experience. Collective wisdom through the ages. Among other things. Now, let's take a look at this. We've got... uh, Oh, where is it here? I've got it somewhere. By the way, can I ask you a question? Did you enjoy uh, my interview with Benjamin Netanyahu on Sunday on the Fox News channel? I hope you did. I hope you saw it. You can go online and watch it if you didn't. But, man, for an hour to be speaking to Benjamin Netanyahu, I can't tell you what an honor that is. I felt like I was talking to Churchill or Reagan because that's what he. those are the men he reminds me of. And... Uh, we went through everything, his personal life uh, uh, and in America for a period of time. And he was saying things that I don't believe he ever said before in many cases. And we went through all of it. His economic policies, many people don't even know what he's done economically. As well as his foreign policy and so forth, his relationship with the president. To me, it was absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. All right. Let's see here. Let's just listen to a little bit of Donald Trump. We'll keep it limited because you've heard it all day long, day in, hour in, hour out. Here he is in Pennsylvania. Cut 17. Go. You ever see the story where I'm, it's 1999. I'm on Meet the Press, a show now headed by Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd. He's a sleeping son of a bitch, I'll tell you. So this is what has the media... Furious. Even Tom Brokaw woke up from a stupor. I'm Tom Brokaw. And um, stuck up for Chuck Todd. And then, of course, Scarborough, nobody cares about. He jumps in, too. His friend, Tuck Todd, he jumps in. And I think Jake Tapper jumped in. So they all defend themselves. And SOB... Wow. We've never heard anybody speak that way, have we? Now, they're chasing down a porn star. What does a porn star do? You think about it. I'm not going to get into it, but you understand. Chuck Todd says to uh, the Treasury Secretary, who you know was set up, Mnuchin was there to talk about the economy, and he keeps dragging Mnuchin into this. What do you think of this statement and this statement and this statement? And Mnuchin must be saying, you know, you little SOB, you drag me into this, you set me up. But one of the things Chuck Todd asks is, you know, what do you tell a little kid? What do I tell my kids when you hear words like this, SOB? I don't know, Chuck. Have you ever explained to your kids what Stormy Daniels does, if that is her name? Have you ever explained that to your kids? 
How about you, Jake Tapper? Have you ever explained what Stormy Daniels does to your kids? Have you? Have any of the media? Because now you see we've reached a point where we've we've hit the media's morality red line. SOB is it. SOB is it. And of course, they never use these words among themselves while they're sexually harassing each other. They never use these words among themselves. Do they? They could put up with John Kennedy and his hundreds and hundreds of women. They could put up with LBJ and his thousands and thousands of women. They could put up with Bill Clinton. Oh, it's all personal when he's accused of rape, exposing himself, assault and battery, multiple women. Doesn't matter. It's personal. They can put up with that. They can put up with Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. They can put up with Ted Kennedy and Palm Beach. They can put up with a lot of things. Even the sleazes among themselves, and they know exactly who I'm talking about. But Trump saying SOB, that's unacceptable. So for three days, we've got to hear this crap. That this is the worst thing a president has ever said, let alone about a reporter. Oh, my Lord, he said it about Chuck Todd. Hey, Chuck, stiffen up, baby. Act like a man. Be a little tougher, will you? We're all called all kinds of names. Go on the Internet and see what people say about me. Stop being a weasel. It's not about you anyway. All these poor reporters, oh, you can't call them out by name because then it's an attack on the First Amendment. No, it's not. It's an attack on them. Here you have a politician who wants to hold them accountable. He must be mentally ill. Oh, yes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Can you imagine test driving a car for 100 days or having 100 days to break in a new pair of shoes? That's what Casper's doing, giving you 100 nights to test the Casper mattress. Seriously. 100 nights. The Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. It ships for free in a how-do-they-do-that size box. If you don't love it, they'll come pick it up and give you a full refund. And when the choice is to test a mattress by sleeping on it for over three months in your home or trying one in a store for a few minutes, I'd say it's a no-brainer. Take Casper's 100-night sleep challenge and you'll get a great night's sleep guarantee. Take your mattress, lean it against the wall, order your Casper. Plus, right now, when you go to casper.com slash mark and use code mark, that's casper.com slash mark, code mark, you'll save 50 bucks on select mattresses. So, that's code mark at casper.com slash mark to save 50 bucks on select mattresses. Casper.com, turns and conditions apply. The House Intelligence Committee has said they have found no evidence, officially have concluded they have found no evidence of collusion between the uh, Trump campaign and the Russians. No evidence. In fact, let me pull it up here. This is from the Hill newspaper. 
The House Intelligence Committee is shutting down its contentious investigation. See, this is, this is what I mean about the media killing the First Amendment. But I'll read it. Into Russian interference in the 2016 election, the top Republican leading the probe announced today. The committee will interview no more witnesses, and Republicans are in the process of preparing their final report, says Representative Mike Conway to reporters. A draft of that roughly 150-page report will be delivered to committee Democrats for review on Tuesday. So they'll start leaking to the media, to their friends in the media, because they're all one and the same. You know that First Amendment free press stuff? The draft document asserts there's no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians and the most politically charged question examined by the committee. It will also contradict an official U.S. intelligence community assessment that Russian President Vladimir Putin showed a preference for candidate Donald Trump during the election, another assertion that has been disputed by the president. Of course, let us remember who was running the intelligence agencies. Very stupid men, like Clapper, like Brennan, and don't forget Susan Rice. We found no evidence of collusion, Conway said Monday. We found perhaps some bad judgment in appropriate meetings, inappropriate judgment in taking meetings, but only Tom Clancy could take this series of inadvertent contacts, meetings, whatever, and weave that into some sort of a spy thriller that could go out there. Further, he said, we couldn't establish the same conclusion that the CIA did, that they specifically wanted to help Trump. Now, we know what Adam Shifty Shiftless will do, but he's irrelevant. And whatever Adam Shifty Shiftless does, the media will do. Because he, in effect, is the managing editor for CNN the managing editor for MSNBC, NBC, CBS, and ABC. He's, in fact, the managing editor for the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and all the rest. So they go to Richard Burr. Richard Burr, who you might recall is the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and they asked him about his view of the conclusion of the House Intelligence Committee. And I look at right scoop here. Manu Raju, who works for CNN. Burgess told me he's seen no evidence of collusion yet and no evidence yet to substantiate 2017 IC assessment that Putin sought to aid Trump. Asked about efforts by Russians to coordinate with Trump camp, he said, it's collusion on the part of the Russians, not the Trump camp. Wow, the dormant Richard Burr woke up, spoke a few words, and then went back. Now, Richard Burr confirms what the House Intelligence Committee says. So how much longer is this going to go on? Well, the media wanted to keep going on before they finished moving on to Stormy Daniels. Or they need to get back to Melania Trump and her immigration status. Or they need to get back to Jerry Kushner and his financial investments. Or they need to get back to Ivanka Trump and her financial investments. Or they need to get back to Donald Trump Jr. and see what other meetings he was in. Or they got to go and pretend that Blackwater, or whatever the hell that group is called, what's that called, Rich? Blackstone, Blackwater, whatever it is, that Eric Prince, Blackwater, was somehow involved in opening a back channel to the Russians, even though Trump was going to be president of the United States a few days later. Meanwhile, all of these lies and distortions that will go down in history is the greatest propaganda effort ever. Served as the basis for a special counsel 
who's still roaming the country, high and low, looking for people to imprison. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, America has lost one year of its existence. Thanks to our free media and their Democrat friends. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. How's everybody? I sound a little better, don't I, Rich? I think so, too. All right. Kinds of weird stuff going on during the break here. Now, what are we going to do about lawlessness that is put forth as policy differences? What are we going to do about that? Sanctuary cities are... Violations of federal immigration law. Knowing violations of federal immigration law by mayors and their councilmen, by governors in some cases, they call themselves sanctuary cities. Sanctuary from what? From federal law enforcement. Well, that's not anything but outright lawlessness. In California, telling private companies that you better not report uh, people who are here illegally and trying to work for you, or you'll be punished by the state, that's flat-out lawlessness. Now, I've pointed this out before, and the backbenchers have finally awakened to this, but you understand, about nullification and secession in the Confederacy. Some people take it a little too far, but it's the same rationale. It's the same rationale that the Confederacy used. Obviously, we're talking about different things. This isn't slavery and so forth, but it's the same rationale. It's as if the Civil War never took place. Now, what do the media report about that? Very little. I've been pointing this out for years. I've been making the analogy for years because it's quite accurate and truthful. But they don't pick up on it because they don't want to pick up on it. 
You had Jorge Ramos running all over the place, giving interviews, as well as other surrogates of lawlessness, giving interviews. We now have a Democrat party that actually insists that we not enforce our immigration laws, that actually insists that people here illegally must be able to stay here illegally and bring in endless numbers of family members. We have a Democrat party that insists that we not secure our southern border with physical barriers. We have a Democrat party that insists that we protect sanctuary cities. Incredible. We have a Democrat party that insists that we give millions and millions of illegal aliens, even aliens who aren't here yet, the right to citizenship. Because they say that's the American way. Really? When did that happen in American history? Can you name once? So we have a Democrat party supported by a media that has as its purpose to fundamentally transform America. And they're succeeding. And they're succeeding. We have a Democrat party that puts party first. And we have a media in this country that wraps itself in the First Amendment while it is eviscerating the First Amendment. Now this is how progressivism works. By hook or by crook, they advance their cause. This is how it works. And you know what? You gotta have a set in, well, you gotta have a stiff spine in order to speak out against it and help expose it. Otherwise, they'll call you a right-winger or you're this or that. So I'm going to put a challenge out there, folks, and I'm sorry to personalize this a little bit. I really am. Brian Stelter of Towson State. Brian Stelter. Who else? Joe Scarborough. Who was the guy with ABC who they suspended we haven't heard from since, Mr. Producer? Remember? Brian Ross. Brian Ross. You want to compare IQs? You want to compare college transcripts? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You think you're so smart and everybody else is stupid? You think you're so smart and everybody else is stupid? You look down on everybody out there who doesn't agree with you? I'm prepared. Every Republican president is stupid. Every Republican conservative is stupid. I'm ready. How do you want to measure this? Most of these reporter types are delinquents. They went to lousy schools and they got lousy reports. Lousy grades. If that's how they want to measure things, well, how else do we measure things? How does somebody become a news anchor? How does somebody become a news anchor? How did Chris Cuomo become a news anchor? Is it because he's smart? Well, listen to him. Does he sound smart to you? Sounds like an idiot to me. How about Allison Camerata? Does she sound smart to you? No, she sounds like a moron to me. How about Scarborough and company? Stupid, stupid, and stupid or more. I'm prepared to compare them any way they want to be compared. As they look down on us. 
and lecture us. All right, I want to move off this. It's a little depressing. <clears throat> but you know what? you got to take the brass knuckles on, put them on every now and then, and deal with this stuff. You just do. And because I have a huge audience, and I have a microphone, and I have Levin TV and so forth, I've got to speak out. Now, over at Fox, I have to say that management in Fox has been nothing but supportive of my program. Enthusiastic about my program. They don't interfere in any way with my program. In fact, they look for ways to help. Some wonderful people over there. Suzanne Scott and John Finley. I met Rupert Murdoch once. Let me tell you something about him. My wife and I met him. He is one smart man. And a very kind man, too, by the way. Like I said, I was only there an hour, hour and a half or so, several months ago. But very, very impressive. He's 86 years old and sharp as can be. So I decided, let me do this Sunday show. Let's pick the one hour that nobody watches anything. 10 p.m. Eastern Time. 7 p.m. on the West Coast, but on the East Coast, it's 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Because I remembered when I was a young man. I enjoyed Sundays on government TV. I enjoyed watching these series Free to Choose by Milton Friedman. I enjoyed watching Firing a Line with Bo Buckley for decades. And there were others. Watching the debates. I forget what they called The debaters or something or other. William Rusher, who I thought was one of the smartest guys I ever saw. But I enjoyed these kinds of shows. But the reason I enjoyed most of them was because they were very substantive. Still very interesting and compelling, but very substantive. They made you think. And so I decided if I'm going to add one more responsibility to my long list of responsibilities, writing books, doing radio, Levin TV on CRTV, if I'm going to do one more thing, I've got to do it my way or I really don't want to do it. Because I don't need the money, frankly, and I need more time with my family. So if I'm going to do it, then I want it to be meaningful. And that's what I'm doing on Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. My first guest was Walter Williams. I've always been a huge fan of Walter Williams. I grew up reading his columns, his books. And frankly, other than his column, I hadn't heard from him lately. I hadn't seen him much. And I told our folks, I want Walter Williams to be my first guest. He's brilliant. We'll talk about fundamentals, liberty, economics, and so forth, and it'll set the proper foundation for the program. And he was everything that I expect he would be and more. And as a host, you have to know when to shut the hell up. For somebody like a Walter Williams, you ask a question and let them explain. Now, you need to ask the right question and the right follow-up and the right questions after that. My next guest 
was a man who I thought needed an hour to talk about what he'd been doing. Not a quick hit, not a segment, a full hour. And that was Devin Nunes. And he was terrific. As he and I went through point by point by point by point what took place in what I consider, if not the worst scandal in American history, certainly up there, the bastardization of the FBI and intelligence agencies by a Democrat administration and a Democrat candidate to take out a Republican nominee, transition, and president. And he was excellent. And then I wanted to have one of my all-time heroes on the program. I didn't think I'd get him for a Sunday show at 10 p.m. Benjamin Netanyahu. But he came to the United States for a few days. And with great amount of luck. And a little bit of help from a dear friend. Benjamin Netanyahu sat with me. Actually for more than an hour. By the time they're done putting makeup on it. And I hope you got to see it on Sunday. Because he is spectacular. He is a modern-day Churchill. He is a modern-day Reagan. His ability to communicate, his ability to explain liberty, capitalism, security, the threats that his country faces and we all face, just exceptional. And, of course, he's under attack by the usual elements who are trying to take him out, and they're always trying to take him out. He and his wife are always under investigation. It's, it's really pathetic. It's sad. And our guest next Sunday, this coming Sunday, will be Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. A wonderful sponsor of this program, but that's not why I'm having him. There's a lot of sponsors of this program. He's a longtime friend of mine. I'd say almost 30 years at this point. But even more, he's not just president of Hillsdale College. He is a recognized expert on the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And Winston Churchill, you're going to learn a lot about his role in working on Winston, uh, the, the book on Winston Churchill and so forth. Because I want to keep this program compelling and substantive and we'll see how it goes and that takes I guess relearning how to learn for a lot of us relearning how to learn I've invited some liberals on the program but so far they're not biting we want Bernie Sanders so far nothing we want Elizabeth Warren so far nothing so we'll try I'm sure they'll be a little more contentious, but I intend to be very, very polite to the extent I can be because I really want us to explore their mindset, their belief system, and I really want to challenge it, again, politely, with our mindset and our belief system. But I'll tell you, Sunday was really special. And when we come back, just a couple of clips. And I don't do this to promote the show. I do this because 
I'll never have another opportunity, I don't believe, to sit down with a Benjamin Netanyahu and spend that kind of time with him. I wish I would. I hope I do. Maybe I'm wrong. But I want us all to take a listen. Just a little bit, then we'll move on. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Short segment. Let's get right to it. Cut one, go. What is it about America that you find so profound and so compelling? You spent a lot of time here. Mm. Well, I think... uh... In one word, freedom. Benjamin Netanyahu. Freedom. Because I think that America has been the vanguard of freedom. And without the United States of America, you wouldn't have freedom in the world. And freedom is what makes life worth living. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freedom, innovation, informality. the, The fact that America is a meritocracy. Okay, it's not a class society. If you're good, if you have the smarts and the ambition, you can do it. And this is a message for everybody. Uh, at least it should be. That's the way I see America. That's what I encountered in America, and I thought should be brought to Israel. And in many ways, uh, it influenced my thinking, certainly on uh, on the on the questions of the economy. And, and innovation, because I saw here great things. But there's something else. I mean, that anybody could tell you if they if they're objective about it. Um, but I saw in America something else. Uh, I'm a leader of the Jewish state. The Jewish people underwent horrific tragedies, and the greatest tragedy befell us in the 20th century: the Holocaust. During the first half of the 20th century when the Holocaust occurred, America was not the world leader. And we paid a horrible price for that. Then the State of Israel was established. And what a difference that made and the fact that America did become the leader of the world. It's made all the difference. So when I look at America, I don't think of the principles of freedom. I think of America's defense of freedom in the world and its alliance with Israel, its support for Israel. I have the deepest feelings about the United States. Hello? Is that it? Okay, now, think about how profound that is. And think about how eviscerating the United States military, America's standing in the world is, and we've got really two, and I'll generalize, okay, there's, there's splinter groups, but two general groups who have the mindset that really Netanyahu would object to, I think. That is the Democrat Party, which has been devoured by the radical left, that he seeks to eviscerate the United States military and just views it as a budget item to cut or to increase along with food stamps. And they're isolationists, Bernie Sanders and his ilk. And then there are what I call the code pink Republicans, who are no better, who up to about a year ago were praising Vladimir Putin, who's busy murdering people in Britain, as he's done before. And, of course, he's right. So what we need to do is remain the number one superpower in the world, not give up our alliances, not give up our bases, 
and not give up our number one position when it comes to our military. Because we do good with our strength. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Only tax evaders and cheats get in trouble with the IRS, right? No, false. And nobody knows this better than Optima Tax Relief. Mostly it's honest, hardworking Americans who, for a number of reasons, simply can't pay their tax bill. Like William, who owed $15,000 to the IRS with no way to pay so William didn't file his tax return. Oh, it was quiet at first. Then came the letters, followed by harassing calls from collection agencies. And finally, a letter to his employer. But by now, the IRS, well, it had tacked on so much in interest and penalties, there was no way that William could pay. If you can relate, Optima Tax Relief wants to help. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people. People with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection, which is how we've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients and their A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So call Optima Tax Relief at 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300, that's 800-499-6300, all right, more Netanyahu, shall we? I know he's no Maxine Waters and all the rest, but he is good. Cut two from Sunday's interview. Go. In Israel, how are Muslims treated? How are Arabs treated? How are Christians treated? How are people of all faiths treated? With genuine equality, Israel is the only place in a very, very broad circle in the Middle East and beyond where the Arab citizens of Israel are fully endowed with rights. They serve in the Knesset, our parliament. They serve in my government. I appointed a, a Druze minister uh, just now, recently. They serve in the Supreme Court. I mean, and they have real freedom and real equality under the law. If you want to make a comparison to, <laughs> to other countries, uh, I think you can make that yourself. There's complete religious freedom in Israel. And in Israel, it's not only the Jews and the Muslims who enjoy complete freedom. It's Christians. And in the Middle East, the Christians are being squashed. They're being decimated or destroyed outright. And the only place where the Christian community is thriving, flourishing, growing is in Israel because of our democracy, because of our shared values. Uh, and, and I think most people know that. Uh, and even if they don't know it, they have a glint of it. They appreciate the fact that Israel is a genuine democracy uh, with all with all the trimmings and with all the faults. You know, uh, it's not easy to govern democracies. I can tell you that, <laughs> having done it four times. Pretty damn good, don't you think? And here he is on Iran. Cut three, go. What's the greatest threat right now that Israel faces? Foreign threat. Iran. You want the three threats? Give me the three threats. Iran, Iran, Iran. Let's take some time and walk through this. Um, Obviously, Iran 
we Americans have had to deal with Iran. Um, they kill American soldiers in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, they back terrorism. They back terrorism that have killed American soldiers. Mm-hmm. They're building ICBMs. Obviously, they can hit Israel with ICBMs, but they can hit They're America. not building missiles for us. Yeah, uh, they're, not. they're not building them for us. Yeah. They can reach us with their regular missiles. Yeah. They're building missiles for you. For us. Yeah, coming to a theater near yeah, you sure. soon. So tell us why it's the number one, two, three threat. Iran is trying to build an empire, an aggressive empire. You know, the the radicals in Iran, which I don't think represent the vast majority of the Iranians who are hijacked by this uh, theocratic phagocracy, you know, they just took him over a few decades ago and they keep them under tide and the people protest. But these guys are ruling the place, they're oppressing their own people and they're trying to conquer the rest of the Middle East with a view ultimately of dominating the world through their version of militant radical Islam, Shiite radical. You know, the the first targets are Muslims and Arabs, but we stand in their way because we are you. We're the little Satan. Ultimately, they want to get the great Satan. And this sponsor of global terrorism is not only trying to develop a land empire, but they also want to develop nuclear weapons. Uh, and I think that has to be stopped. And I see eye to eye with President Trump on that. And I think it's, it's done a major change in American policy to stop uh, Iran from getting nuclear weapons. Can you imagine a radical Islamic regime with ICBMs sponsoring terrorist groups and having atomic bombs? That's a palpable danger not only to Israel, but to America, to the entire world. And by the way, you know who agrees with me on that? Just about everyone in the Middle East, mm-hmm. just about all the Arab governments. It's a big change. So I think this is the number one challenge that we have. This is why I wanted the man to have an opportunity to speak. Just so right on. And what about this Iran deal, Mr. Prime Minister? Cut four, go. You strongly oppose this Iran deal. Mm-hmm. You took a lot of heat from certain elements in our country and probably your country. I didn't notice that. Yeah, right. What are you talking about? And you committed this horrific offense of talking to the American people in Congress. And in a very gentlemanly, polite way, explaining your objections to the Iran deal. Can you explain your objections to the Iran deal and what the position of the Israeli government is right now? Yeah, I will, but I want to say yeah. one word. Look, we've, we've had tremendous relations with successive administrations. I appreciate the fact that uh, uh, successive American governments supported Israel, uh, even when we had disagreements. I had you know, big disagreements with President Obama, but we signed uh, a memorandum of understanding for, uh, you know, for uh, military aid to Israel for the next decade. Uh, and I appreciate that. But I never hid the fact that I had major disagreements with him. And the biggest disagreement was on Iran. The disagreement was this. The nuclear deal, as structured, basically takes away the constraints on Iran's nuclear program by a date certain. Iran can do anything it wants in the interim. It can conquer countries, which exactly is what they're doing. And they'll still get the removal of these uh, limitations. I said, look, 
make sure, don't remove these restrictions until Iran changes its behavior. In other words, condition the lifting of those restrictions, not on a change of calendar, but on a change of behavior. That's essentially what I said in the U.S. Congress. That was rejected at the time because people said I was, you know, stopping, you know, I was bringing war. I wasn't bringing war. War is coming to us as a result of the fact that Iran is out of its cage. That's what's happening right now. And I think it's time, still time, to stop Iran, to put restrictions back on, to say you have to change. You cannot devour one country after the other. That's what they said. They said Iran will now join the community of nations after this nuclear deal. No, Iran is just devouring the nations. That's what it's doing. I think you need to change of policy, and I'm very glad to see that there has been such a change in Washington by President Trump. And then finally, this wasn't the whole interview. I'm just giving you little pieces of it. What about the situation with the Palestinians, Mr. Prime Minister? Cut five, go. Palestinian issue. This phrase that we use, the Palestinian issue, the Palestinian issue. Why is it so difficult to come to terms with the Palestinians? Could part of the problem be is they're really fractionalized? You've got Hamas and you've got Fatah. It's part of the problem that they, they use hundreds of millions of dollars to fund and support the families of terrorists and terrorists. What, what, is, what, what are the issues? Well, it's what you said, Mark. What does it mean when they take out about 10% of their budget? You know, about $400 million a year to pay murderers who are sitting in jail for murdering Jews or the families of murderers who murder Jews. What does it mean? $400 million a year. It sends a message to young Palestinians. Kill Israelis and you'll be rich. That's crazy. We don't do that. You know, if somebody murders Jews, Arabs, doesn't make any difference. Israelis, Palestinians, you go to jail. Over there, they're crowned as heroes. If they sit in our jails, you know, they're given these stipends. What is this? So what's the problem? What does it indicate? It indicates the core of the problem. And the core of the problem has never been the Palestinian state. The core of the problem has been the Jewish state. The Palestinians were offered, you know, in 1948, when Israel was established, the UN set out a proposition, two states, Jewish state and an Arab state. That's how they called it at the time, an Arab state. And we accepted, and the Palestinians rejected it. In fact, the entire Arab world rejected it. And they tried to snuff us out. We were tiny. You know, Israel was a few miles wide, it's nothing. We were able to survive. And still, when I look back 70 years later, and you ask, why is there no peace? Because the Palestinians say, we don't want a state next to Israel. We want a state instead of Israel. And every time they get a piece of territory, like in Gaza, we, we just walked out of there and gave it to them, they use it to fire thousands of rockets at us, or dig terror tunnels, or send suicide killers against us. And so I, I think the root cause of this conflict is the persistent refusal of the Palestinians to recognize a Jewish state at any boundary. And it's about time 
that people confronted them and, and said something very simple to them, which is what I say to uh, the Palestinian uh, leader, Abbas. I say, recognize the Jewish state, for God's sake. That's it. And you know what they say? They refuse to do it. That's the core of the conflict. That's why it doesn't get solved. Otherwise, it would have been solved long ago. All right. Brilliant man, and I I tried to conduct myself in a way that uh, we could learn and hear as much as we possibly could from one of the great leaders of our time. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, folks, the first show I did with Walter Williams, Media Matters and some other left-wing website immediately said, oh, this is boring. Now, these are leftist websites who wish that I'd be hit by a bus and would never come back again, be gone forever. So, of course, we don't care about them. But, of course, issues like liberty and security and alliances and so are boring to these people. But I should also add our ratings, thanks to you, are through the roof. We'll know about the Netanyahu show tomorrow, but Walter Williams and Devin Nunes and, of course, me. We not only beat CNN and beat MSNBC, we beat them combined. If you took their number combined, we beat them. And then added several hundred thousand. I expect that CNN and MSNBC are going to have to start counter-programming. So we've made a fight out at 10 p.m. on Sunday. You believe that, Mr. Producer? Just like here when we started radio. Oh, you can't do it at 6 p.m. at night. People are in the car. They're going home. They're eating. Kids go to Little League. They do this. They do that. And here we are. We are the biggest network show, the biggest network talk show on Westwood One which is owned by Cumulus. We're the biggest network talk show in the entire multi-billion dollar Cumulus Corporation and the subsidiary Westwood One. A 6 p.m. Eastern Time show. They're my partners, and they're damn good at it. You know, I did the math, and I bought my family $500 worth of organic groceries in one month, paid only $200 for them. Really? And what's my secret weapon? ThriveMarket.com. I keep mentioning them. I want you to check them out. ThriveMarket.com, the largest online store in the country, selling exclusively non-GMO organic groceries. In other words, the freshest, best food they can. At guaranteed savings, up to 50% off retail prices. So instead of paying $16 for your favorite almond butter at the store, for example, pay only $11 on ThriveMarket. And my wife loves almond butter. Instead of $25 for extra virgin olive oil, pay only $15 on Thrive Market. So Thrive Market has all the organic brands you love and many you can't find in the stores. Plus, non-toxic home goods, cleaning supplies, and all natural bath and beauty products. Order shipped within two days and they're delivered right to your door. So top convenience too. Get started right now. Get started today. And you'll receive 25% off your first purchase at thrivemarket.com slash mark. That's thrivemarket.com slash mark. Prices are already low, and now there's an extra 25% off your first order 
at thrivemarket.com slash mark. Folks, fresh, wholesome food at the best price they can offer it, delivered right to your door. That's thrivemarket.com slash mark. I know you're going to love it, but you got to give it a try. Bob, West Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Great to talk to you, Mark. It's truly an honor. Thank you, sir. I, I watched the uh, the entire interview last night, and I thought it was just spectacular. Um, oh, thank you. What it's I a really remarkable enjoyed. man, isn't he? Oh, man. And so so precise and to the point. Yeah. But he, uh, what I really enjoyed about it is it's like when you're doing these interviews, it's like we're sitting there in a the room, and you ask him a question, and then you let him answer instead yes. of interrupting or cutting over the top of him like you see so much on TV. You just simply sit back and let, let him speak this whole mind, this whole thought, before you move on to the next subject. And I, I just thought it was great. Bob, I want to thank you. And uh, he was terrific. And we're going to have wonderful guests, uh, different areas of life, different levels of prominence, if any prominence at all. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. And uh, I'm very excited about this. Bruce, Westchester, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mr. Levin, it was a riveting interview last night, and I enjoyed every second of it. I DVR'd it and watched it the second time to Thank make you. sure I didn't miss anything. <laughs> what, what fascinated me most was when the prime minister was talking about learning English from Spot the Dog book because I had one of those when I was a child, too. And what I got out of that was he made the effort to to, to assimilate to an Amer- the American life, to learn the language, to go to the schools, and that is dearly lacking now. Mm-hmm. But he didn't lose his pride in his country and his love for his country and went back and served in the military proudly. Just, just truly an amazing man. And Mr. Levin, can I ask you one question? Yes, sir. I, I am not very book smart. I'm street smart. I served in the military and the Navy for 20 years. Why do they call it the state of Israel? Well, state is just a, a, another word for country. You know, when you go way back and you look at Aristotle, statism, which is a word I used a lot in my book, Meritopia, and brought it back to life, quite frankly, when we talk about state, we're not really talking about the former colonies. We're talking about a state, a country, a government. Thank you for the answer, sir. And by the way, you're very smart. And thank you for your service. I appreciate your call. It's a great question. State of Israel, country of Israel. They're synonymous. They're interchangeable. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got one big hour left. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I know that much. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 
877-381-3811. So the House Intelligence Committee has concluded no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. No evidence that the Russians wanted Trump to win, which is only rational. Why would the Russians want Trump to win when they got everything they wanted from Hillary Clinton? And, of course, the CIA was controlled by Brennan, who is a political hack, former communist. So, of course, he, uh, he qualified for an Obama administration appointment. And, of course, the CIA. He's been all over TV trashing Trump, as you know. Exactly the wrong kind of man with the wrong temperament and the wrong ideology to be anywhere close to the CIA, unless he's being monitored. And Richard Burr, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, who's been in the Witness Protection Program, he was asked about it, and he agreed. We have found no collusion. None. So, what does this mean? This means the American people have been subjected to the biggest hoax in modern American history, in modern political history. The biggest hoax. It means that our representatives have spent God knows how much time and how much in resources investigating a lie perpetrated by the Democrat Party, Hillary Clinton, Schumer, and the media. It means we now have a special counsel on the loose and his Democrat prosecutors who have as their purpose the removal of the President of the United States who never colluded with the Russians. His family never colluded with the Russians. His campaign never colluded with the Russians. His staff never colluded with the Russians. And trust me, if they had, Mr. Mueller would have indicted them already. If they had, the media would have reported it already. This is why you hate the media, and this is why you hate the so-called swamp, or as I call it more properly, the administrative state. So officially, the House Intelligence Committee, forget about the Democrats. Forget about them. They're a bunch of hate-mongering liars on that committee. So the House Intelligence Committee found no collusion with the Russians and the Trump campaign, and that no, the Russians weren't trying to help Trump win the presidency. And by the way, if they were, they had a funny way of showing it, because they helped Hillary Clinton and the DNC with their dossier, where they spewed all that poison about Trump which was fed to the FBI, which was very excited about receiving it, and then used it to lie to a FISA judge to get a warrant and to get it extended three times. So, the Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr, he's asked about this by CNN. Any collusion? He says, no, we have found no collusion. So the House Intelligence Committee and the Senate Intelligence Committee have been focused on a lie instead of on real issues that should concern all Americans, including the cyber warfare in which we are the victims involving Russia and China and Iran and North Korea. The Intelligence Committee should be doing the work that they need to do instead of chasing Hillary Clinton's lies. And yet, as I've been saying, we still must have a special counsel. I'm not excited about special counsels, but what is, it is. 
to investigate the FBI and the Department of Justice and the intelligence agencies. A dear friend of mine, and he is a dear friend of mine, Brian Kilmeade, has said on TV on numerous occasions, we can't put the country through this to have another special counsel. And my answer is, we need to have a special counsel so the country's never put through this again. Because the FBI is not going to investigate the FBI, the Justice Department is not going to investigate the Justice Department, and Mr. Mueller, sure as hell, is not interested in justice. Not with his Democrat prosecutors. Now, that said, we hear all this talk about China. China, we got to raise taxes on the American people. We need to drive up the cost of refrigerators, washers, dryers, dishwashers, automobiles, trucks, soup, beer, anything with metal, anything with aluminum. We have to drive up the cost substantially to the American taxpayer and pay that money into the federal government. Why? To protect the steel industry and the aluminum industry, which had a booming year last year. 160 different types of subsidies for the steel industry over the decades. While we've made our arguments, I've made my case, you're either in or you're out. You either believe in liberty or you don't. You either believe in capitalism or you don't. Or you believe the lies. For years you were told that China was dumping so our steel industry couldn't handle it. And then you found out, because I told you, based on Commerce Department numbers, among others, that China produces 2% of the steel we use in the United States. 2% of the steel we use in the United States. That our companies in the United States produce 70% of the steel. And I've told you before, that would be considered a monopolistic practice if Exxon controlled 70% of oil production in the United States. We've heard all the propaganda before. You can go back and read it in history. Smoot-Hawley, that was pushed by Republicans too. Progressive Republicans. Nationalist populists, if you will. They were dead wrong. Helped cause and extend the Great Depression. The progressive Republicans. And, of course, you hear the same arguments today from Bernie Sanders, Sherrod Brown, and all the hardcore leftists in the Democrat Party. But ladies and gentlemen, the real problem with China is not that they're dumping steel in the United States. They're not dumping enough steel in the United States to matter. It's 2%. The real problem with China, ladies and gentlemen, is they're stealing our technology. And why aren't we hearing as much discussion about this? as we are about raising taxes on the American people and then pretending we're punishing the Chinese as they come in and fill in the gaps and work closer and closer with Mexico and Canada and our allies. Why aren't we talking more about this? CNBC, and this is from several months ago, but I do research for this show. I don't just show up and read websites. One of the reasons China is narrowing the military technology gap with the United States is because of the theft of designs and other sensitive data. Despite a cyber warfare truce, they write, one defense analyst said China is probably still engaged in the theft of sensitive U.S. military technology. Hacking over the years is one of the reasons China 
has been able to narrow the gap with the U.S. in advanced missiles, drone technology, even stealth aircraft. They don't build crap on their own. They steal it from us. That's what we should be fighting them over. That's what we should be angry about. That's what we should be dealing with. They're the enemy. And that guy, Jing Ji, or whatever the hell he calls himself, now he's a dictator for life. Dictator for life. Brutalizes his opposition. Cutting all, you know, internet activity that criticizes him. A report predicts that by 2030, the Chinese could dominate artificial intelligence and exploit it for military purposes. Now, last time I checked, that's 12 years from now. And we're screwing around with steel and aluminum mills and doing it the wrong way. They're thinking 50 years ahead. And we're going to raise the prices on automobiles and refrigerators and pretend that we're punishing the Chinese. Let's go on. At the same time, China's pressing its domestic tech firms to help the country's military to speed up the application of advanced technology. Let me give you an example of what China's doing. And this is what the House and Senate Intelligence Committee should be working on in the future now. Now that we're done with the phony collusion subject, but we're not. The media will push it. The Democrats will push it. But nonetheless, let me tell you what's happening. You heard it here first because I'm studying this stuff. The other guys show up and they go, (coughs) anyway, so China is requiring companies that do business in China to team up with local companies. Now, the local companies in China are state-controlled. They own either 51% of the companies or they own all the companies. But whatever it is, they control the companies. And so when Apple goes into China, when Google goes into China, when Facebook goes into China, when any of these technology, other technology companies go into China, they they have to partner with these local companies and a percentage of the American company has to be sold to or controlled by the local Chinese company, which, as I said, is state-controlled, ultimately. And they have to share their technology with the Chinese company. They're required to share their information with the Chinese company. This is important. Please listen. So what's happening is we have a whole regime of of rules at the Commerce Department, at the State Department that prevents the exporting of certain types of technologies to adversaries and to enemies, which is quite sensible. Certain types of technologies. But what's happening here is these American companies and these Chinese companies are getting around it. And they're getting around it because these American companies go into China. They can't resist selling to 1.5 billion people. And our technology is being stolen. 
and. They're also stealing it, as you just heard, through cyber warfare. This is what we should be focusing on, not driving up the cost of the American consumer, not putting auto workers out of work, not putting assembly line workers out of work who build all kinds of equipment and so forth for the American people. This is a true national security issue that should be addressed. This is how they're building their stealth jet fighters now and their aircraft carriers and their long-range missiles and their satellites. They stole it from us and they're stealing it from us every day. Let's go on with the article. U.S. intelligence agencies determined that China stole secrets relating to the F-35 jet fighter. That is our top fighter. From a United States contractor, the design secrets were detected in China's new J-20 stealth fighter. The stolen secrets included details of the F-35's electro-optical targeting system, radar-absorbing coatings, and engine nozzles. You got that? And it goes on. Recent Chinese cyber intelligence operations include the July 2016 infiltration of China by China of networks at the Philippines Department of Justice, which were involved in organizing the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit. Chinese hackers also broke into a law firm involved with the permanent court of arbitration at The Hague the court that ruled against China's expansive maritime claims in the South China Sea and Australia. Chinese cyber spies were behind a massive intrusion in the networks of the Australian Bureau of Meteorology, which provides data to the Australian Defense Department, an American treaty ally. China-based actors have conducted extensive cyber operations targeting Japan, and they go on about how they're targeting Taiwan. Chinese intelligence services have also recruited agents in Thailand and the Philippines, prompting the commission to warn that China's apparent shift toward more overseas recruitment and handling operations could create a greater espionage threat environment in these and other U.S. partner countries. The commission reported for the first time, devoted an entire chapter to Chinese intelligence services, which were outlined as including the Ministry of State Security, the country's civilian spy agency, and several military intelligence services. And the report concludes that Chinese intelligence threat is increasing as China reforms and centralizes its intelligence apparatus. And it goes on and on and on. On and on and on. That's Bill Gertz and the national interest. But there's article after article after article. You can find them yourself. Article after article after article. As I say, they use it through, they steal it through cyber warfare, through human spies, and really the worst is the process I just told you about. Work American Intel company, and by the way, not just Intel companies, but all these companies, Marriott, IBM, well, IBM's one, and so forth, they're all required to give up their technology through this ruse of a partnership with a local Chinese company. And we're getting killed. You talk about losing American jobs. 
We're losing American jobs. We're losing American technology where we have poured hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars into this stuff. Remember that report I talked to you about last week? The estimate is we're losing $600 billion to the Chinese in stolen technology. Why isn't anybody talking about that? Forget the damn tariffs. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. the great K-I-O-N. Go quickly, sir. Hey, all right. I want to tell you, uh, you know, um, I do believe that the great Robert Mueller, uh, 35-year war vet, decorated with a purple heart and everything. Uh, That's all right. Lee Harvey Oswald was a war vet, too. We don't, we don't base somebody's activities today on what they did 30 years ago. But, sir, now that you've thrown up enough flack, why don't you get to your point? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, Papadopoulos, Boom! He's already he's already pled guilty, right? Done. We're gonna before this goes down, we're gonna see a guy. Oh, sir, nobody knew that before, so that's helpful. What do you want to tell us? What do you go ahead? Give us your point. My point is, you're wrong. There is Papadopoulos wasn't indicted for collusion. But you're but you're a liberal, so you're illiterate in all things. You're an ideologue. Papadopoulos, pay attention. I'm educating you. It's something that's never occurred in your life. He was indicted. For lying to the prosecutor. Sir, can you tell us what it was the Papadopoulos knew that demonstrates collusion? Go ahead. He, he knew about the Russian plans, and he spoke of the Russian collusion to someone else, and that got outed. He lied the You're an idiot. He never spoke about Russian collusion. You're talking about the Australian ambassador to Hocus Pocus or whatever. We've been down that road a thousand times. But anybody, ladies and gentlemen, anyway, Brian of Monterey has it all figured out. Suddenly he likes war veterans. I'll be right back. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I want to tell you folks something. I uh, I do cardio stuff three, four times a week with my buddy Justin. Doing it for years. But finally, I put a new TV in, a cable and direct TV, uh, where I do this workout. And I got to tell you folks something. From about 10 a.m. Eastern to about 10.40 a.m., something like that. That's the workout schedule. I can't do much more, you know, whatever. But I've been watching ESPN in first take with my buddy Stephen A. And this guy, Max. I don't really listen to Max. Kellerman. And I need Mr. Callscreener to whisper his last name in my ear because I can't remember. I just know it's Max. But I have to tell you something. It is compelling. It's compelling. They got great chemistry. The show is great chemistry. And my man, Stephen A., he carries a damn thing. He just does. Maybe he reminds me of me. I can't. Maybe I remind him. Uh, Anyway. And to do this day in and day out and make sports interesting, 
when you're kind of in a lull, you know, it's not ultra interesting this week perhaps, is really something. But I have to say, I really, really enjoy it, so I've been watching it every morning. You watch it, Mr. Call Screener? Of course you do. I don't know, ESPN 1, ESPN 2, 3, 12, whatever it is. I don't know all the other shows, all the other jocks. But uh, he's the real deal. All right, where am I? What did you say, Mr. Producer? Oh, Hillsdale College. Remember, I'm having the president of Hillsdale on Sunday on Fox. He's a longtime friend. Sponsor of the radio show, but that's not why he's on. He's on because he's good. He's good. And, of course, I'm up front about everything. You know, Hillster, we're facing a serious crisis in American education. Students aren't being taught the fundamentals of our American heritage, what my friends at Hillsdale call civics education. The result? More and more young Americans are rejecting America's founding principles. A recent survey starkly highlights this fact. For the first time, more millennials would prefer to live in a socialist country than a capitalist one. Now, what can we do? Hillsdale College believes the answer starts with a proper civics education. Hillsdale's educating America with free online courses and primus, charter schools, and more. Now, they're taking the unprecedented step of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide them to their students. Hillsdale does all this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty, because they love America. Learn how you can help in this historic effort and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's pocket constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com for your free pocket constitution to keep or share. You know, we're almost through with the program, I regret to say, because I could do another five hours, quite frankly, but... I'm almost done with this pneumonia. I really believe it. I think I'm about 85% well. But every now and then, when you talk, you know, it starts kicking in. Because you can't get the air out of your lungs, into your esophagus, and out your throat. So we do our best. Did you notice that last liberal caller, by the way? Do these liberals ever have arguments, ever have points, ever have facts to back up their positions? Hey, what about Papadopoulos? What about Papadopoulos? Well, he talked to this guy about collusion. He wasn't indicted for collusion. He was indicted for making a false statement. One. What does that have to do with collusion? Nothing. But the guy's an ideologue. He's a true believer. He can't help it. And he has to tell us that Mueller served in the military. Since when do hardcore leftists care about that? Aren't they always protesting the military? But that said, that doesn't give somebody a free pass. Stupid, honestly. Let's continue, shall we? Let's see here. Neil, Norfolk, Virginia on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, um, I was calling about the interviews and how much I've been enjoying them. In the Netanyahu interview where he used the uh, man carrying a man example, Oh, or yeah. the public sector carrying, or the private sector carrying the public sector. That, mm-hmm. that example showed the concept better than I heard in a long time. I didn't really grasp that until I was 
fifty, and I was I'm pretty well educated. Actually, the last administration showed it to me by counting how many jobs they created when they were all public sector jobs, and the private sector has to pay for them. But you see, Neil, this is why it's important for conservatives who are on TV and radio to stop being sellouts. You can support this president and retain and maintain your principles. Just disagree with him when he goes left and try and pull him back and agree with him when he upholds the principles. I, I don't know I don't know why people feel that they have to, you know, dance with the pom poms on the stage all the time. All right, Neil. Great call, thank you. Let's continue. Mark, Springfield, Missouri, the great KSGF. Go. How you doing, sir? Thank you for taking my call. I actually have a master's degree in cybersecurity and actually work in the aerospace and defense industry as a research analyst. And I, I agree with your statement entirely. It's uh, that the information being uh, compromised as, uh, as a national security threat. I think part of the complication exists that, as they, as your last caller pointed out, so many, so much public sector work is being done by the private sector and the firewall that exists between the two. That needs to end, sadly, because if, if our if our secrets are dependent upon the work of the private sector and they follow different policies, procedures, strategies, etc., um, then it, it it creates greater vulnerability for exploitation. Mm-hmm. And what are we doing about it? Sadly, I, don't, I mean, that's one of the things. I'm not prone to give Trump a lot of credit for many things. When he when he goes right, I give him credit, and him bringing to light cybersecurity as a primary concern, writing executive orders to to make it such. Uh, I can I can appreciate that, and I can approve of that action. I think yeah, but you know, when these military guys and intelligence guys are testifying, saying, we're not doing a hell of a lot to fight this. And you know, damn well Trump wants to fight it. I have to wonder, well, what's going on? Uh, he's getting put, I think there's a lot of budgetary pushback. I think there's a lot of individuals. Shouldn't be any there. budgetary pushback now. They're going to get significantly increased budgets. No, I, I'm, not say, I'm saying that has been historically that has been the, the, the request. And I think a lot of it is uh, you have individuals who you know held position. Uh, old there time. is no damn way China or Russia or anybody else should be ahead of us on technology. No damn way. I absolutely fundamentally agree. And that is a horrific reality that we need to remedy immediately. And I think that removing some of the old guard, I think actually requiring uh, some of the legislation – that Trump has put forward uh, is is a good is a right step in the step in the direction, but uh, we're we're sadly far from reaching that that demand and that need. I, you know what? I think we're going to get the best and brightest involved in this. You want to have a blue ribbon commission, fine, but it shouldn't go on forever. Maybe six months tops. Take a look at what we're doing in the government, and get to work and deal with this. I'm quite serious because. This is the next area. This is the area, not the next area, where we're vulnerable. You know, when I interviewed Netanyahu, he made it clear these guys in Israel, they're, they're pushing cutting-edge technology. They're prepared for cyber warfare. They're involved in cyber warfare. They share their information with us. I just feel like, you know, for a decade or so, we've drained our military. Their resources are limited. We're running out of pilots. We're running out of jets. We're running out of warships. We're running out of tanks. We're running out of everything. And you know, and you rebuild the military, but we got to get this cyber warfare straight. We got to get in front of these other countries. I think we need a, we need a definitive strategy for both the private sector and the public sector to abide by when it comes to any information technology security uh, and information security. When it, I mean, that's the vast amount of breaches hasn't even sadly taken place in the government. It's taken place by negligent actions on behalf of the private sector. 
you know, uh, individuals, individual contractors making erroneous errors, you know, and they're not being properly vetted in the process. It's, it's sad. We, if we had a unified security strategy for both private and public sector when it came to the handling of confidential, potentially dangerous information, especially to, you know, related to information security, that, that this issue would be greatly reduced. And, and I'll tell you right now, uh, these private companies should not be free to go overseas to get our federal government contracts to be developing technology and then cough it up to China because China insists on it. Absolutely agree. 100%. That is a. All right, my friend. I appreciate it, Mark. Excellent call. Okay, I can slip in one more. David, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, 870 AM. Go! Hello? David, are you there? Here's yeah. a caller that is spellbound by my spellbound by my genius. Are you still there, sir? I'm here. Thank you, Mark. Go right I ahead. I was following up on your comments with regard to the um, the media and the bias media. You know, I grew up in L.A., Hollywood, Beverly Hills, not a rich kid, just a regular guy, but, you know, in that liberal bubble. And I've been blessed. I've gone to 49 states, driven over 2 million miles, been to China 46 times, All right, Japan over 100 times. What Europe, the hell are you doing? Hold on. What are you doing in 49 states? I used to race motorcycles and at first, and then I traveled wow. and would race eight times a week in the late 70s and early 80s all over the country. Wow. And, How about that? What kind, hold on now. Slow down a little bit. From a liberal what, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to walk you through. What kind of motorcycles did you race? Well, I raced Harley-Davidson 750s at the fair circuit when I first raced on American flat track. Any Indians? Uh, they didn't have Indians then. Now they do. Now they have yeah. the AMA series, which they have the Indians and Harley Davidson, and they have um, some other brands as well. Mm-hmm. And then, and we how did long did you do this for? That. How long did you do this for? Uh, from seventy-seven to eighty-nine. Oh, you're pretty lucky. You're alive, and you're not injured or wounded somehow. Well, I'm blessed. I've been. That's blessed. a tough and, sport. Uh, then my business took me overseas. I've been to China forty-six times, Japan over a hundred times, and some Jeez. of Europe, Russia, Ukraine. And um, this is the greatest country. But what I see, even looking at all those countries and their media and the people and everything else, the biggest threat to this country is the biased liberal media. Because and you say you say you say you were a liberal Democrat. What switched oh, you? Absolutely, because that I grew up here and I believed in many of the things which I understand. However, when you see the real world and you see who gets up at four in the morning, the farmers, or that's even in the San Joaquin Valley in California, or you see who's really building this country, and then you see what liberties we have here and what it does not exist, whether it's even in Europe or other places, and the economic prosperity that you can come from nothing here and do if you go to school. or you know, Right now, we have 30,000 empty jobs for truck drivers in California. Walmart's hiring $82,000 a year starting pay, and we can't fill the jobs. It's a sin. Because they don't because they don't want to drive back to California, that's why. Well, when we're and then by twenty twenty we're sort of joke, I have no idea IT people. But what I was getting at is that when you listen to what the liberal media does and you see the damage that that does for people not seeing the truth, that does far more damage than any type of collusion or any type of propaganda that our enemies would put upon us. Because right. we expect as Americans that our news is the truth, is fair. All right, my friend. I agree with you completely. Thank you. By the way, I see the ethanol industry is running ads against Ted Cruz. Because Ted Cruz wants to put an end to the ethanol subsidy, and so do I. 
And so he's being smeared all over the place that he is a mouthpiece for big oil. So in other words, if you oppose the American taxpayers subsidizing the ethanol industry, you're a mouthpiece for big oil? No, no, that has nothing to do with it. I don't want to subsidize them either. I'll be right back. Mark Have you ever taken your car in for an oil change and the mechanic finds something wrong and surprise, you hit with a repair bill you didn't expect? It's happened to all of us, right? Well, when you have extended vehicle protection like I do from CarShield on our 2010, uh, what is it? Camaro, Camaro, Camaro. You don't have to worry about those unexpected surprises. Look, if your car breaks down after the manufacturer's warranty expires, you could be out of pocket thousands to get it fixed. Replacing your engine alone can cost thousands. Even a simple repair to a sensor can cost over $1,000. There's nothing simple about today's cars. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide you 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Now, if your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, doesn't mean you have to pay higher repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims. $2 billion. And they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Here's the toll-free number. 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. It's 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or go to their website, carshield.com, and use code LEVIN. You'll save 10% either way. It's 800-CAR-6100 or carshield.com, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right. Let's see. Uh, Let's go to uh, Kathy, Westport, Connecticut. Yes, Kathy. Hello, Mark. I'm enjoying your show. Thank you. I'm a 40-year veteran of the steel industry. I've been an importer and exporter, domestic, um, the whole gambit. I think um, I'm, I'm a 60-year veteran. <laughs> I've been buying steel all my life. <laughs> anyway, but, go right ahead. Okay, so let me just speak to a couple of issues that were brought up. First of all, I think Trump actually did a great job in what he did. Whether it's going to work, that's only to be seen. However... Um, the Chinese, the reason they only showed up as a two, less than 2% is because we already eliminated them from the market with anti-dumping and countervailing duties a few years ago where they were found to have been dumping in excess of 100% of the value of the material. What about the Canadians at 16%? Oh, the Canadians. Um, are, they, are they dumping too? You know, the, well, there we go with NAFTA. But Canada, we need NAFTA. To, they, they produce... Well, let's slow down. Hold on, hold on. One piece at a time. I don't want to do this respectfully with you, too. NAFTA cuts both ways. How, what percentage of Canadian steel is American steel? What percentage of Canadian steel is American steel? In other words, what percentage of Canadian... What percentage of the usage of steel in Canada is American steel? Um... Well, you know, it does go back and forth, but it goes back and forth between the car companies. The exact number I can't give you off the top of my head. 
I have to look at it, but it does go back and forth freely. Uh, the company I work with, we ship probably 12 to 15 truckloads a day into Canada. Mm-hmm. And the majority of that, what we ship is, well, all of what we ship in there is American steel. Mm-hmm. So it goes back in as processed material. That's fine. I was just curious because we talk about the percentage of steel that's produced by other countries for the United States. And I'm curious about the percentage of steel we produce. I mean, I can't imagine we just sit on our ass in the United States and let Canada run away with it. Canada's a much tinier percentage of a population than we do. Hey, you know what, Kathy? We're going to take your number. And the next time we get into trade, I want to call you. Is that okay? I'd love to speak to Okay, because the music means i got to run. Get her number. Don't forget to get Kathy's number. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and you, the American people. See you tomorrow. Great Levin TV. Please don't miss it.